Good morning, good afternoon, whatever time of day it is that you are listening, folks. Thank you very, very much for listening. The date today is the 11th of October, year of our Lord, 2020. I'm recording this just moments after the Larry O'Brien Trophy was handed over to the Los Angeles Lakers. Your 2020 NBA champions comes as mm, pretty much no surprise, despite Miami making it pretty interesting. Full transparency, just at the top of this. I just want to get this out of the way. If you hate LeBron, um, if you tend to discredit him and look at his achievements as null and void, this episode isn't for you. So while I would almost never tell people not to listen, I'm going to save you the time and the frustration. You're not going to like this episode very much. I'm going to try to do a bit of a, a season recap because I know that it almost seems like, I mean, it was almost 365 days ago that the NBA actually tipped off. Um, but we're going to kind of go back a little bit and, and talk a little bit about how we got to this point here and then peppered in there will be just a lot of how happy I am for LeBron uh, in this moment, right? All right, so let's get started. Season starts, and duos like Kawhi and Paul George and Anthony Davis and LeBron, it feels like they've been playing together for like five years already. They're clicking on all cylinders. It's amazing. You have a team like the Rockets, Russell Westbrook comes in. You're kind of not sure how that's going to turn out. And it's like, okay, well, maybe the small ball thing could work. It just kind of felt like any other year with the Rockets um, in the past five years, it just felt like we were a little bit less optimistic without Chris Paul. And that's actually another thing is we were writing off Oklahoma City from the jump. And to be fair, we had every reason to. I think we were all justified in doing so. Um, but they proved all of us wrong. What was the graphic? They had like a .05% chance to make the playoffs. Chris Paul showed us that he's not done. The point God's not done. Got plenty left in the tank. Um, hamstring wasn't bothering him. He was still really ridiculous with those low post turnaround fadeaway jumpers. Um, John Morant bursts onto the scene, and a lot of it had to do with. Uh, well, I don't want to. Let me let me back that up a little bit because I don't want to. I don't want to word that weird, and then people get confused. John Morant explodes onto the scene. A guy who, even if he's not, you know, scoring 25 a night, it's because he's being so unselfish with the basketball. And he was so good at making everyone around him better. And we found out that the Grizzlies were this team um, who had this, like, hodgepodge of players where they were just in the perfect situation. They were with the right team at the right time, and John Morant kind of glued them all together. Valanciunas was great. Dylan Brooks was great. Grayson Allen was even kind of, he started to come into his own uh, with Memphis because he was getting more opportunity. Um, Jay Crowder, who was another guy before he was traded to Miami, he was like, I was like, oh my gosh, it, it, it made me happy to see Jay Crowder playing well. Um, you had the whole Iguodala thing where he was like, I'm just not going to show up. I'm not talking to these guys until I'm traded somewhere. Um, and then eventually that place was Miami and, and Jay Crowder was shipped as well, which ended up working out pretty well for Miami. Um, what I was going to say was he, that job burst onto the scene because Zion was missing for the first, what, 25 games he was out that I, what I meant by that was a lot of the spotlight went to jaw, even though I didn't say it, what I would have meant was that because Zion was out, you know, jaw just got a lot of the attention. And then when Zion did come back, rest assured, um, not only did he blow us all away, 
um, in his debut against San Antonio, hits, what, five threes, charges this comeback for New Orleans, and then gets yanked by Alvin Gentry. And he's pissed. Everyone's kind of pissed. And and we get it, right? Like, he needs to be on some sort of a minute restriction. You don't want to completely kill him. Um, but in the moment, it just felt a little bit disappointing. Whether it was LaMarcus Aldridge, whether it was Jakob Pertl, nobody would face up on Zion on the perimeter. And it's like, no, he's not a dead-eye three-point shooter, but it's something that is in his arsenal. It's in his bag. He can hit them, um, and he hit quite a few of them at an alarming rate in that game. The arrival of Zion did not disappoint. Um, There were a few players that coming into the season, we were really excited to see sort of the step that they were going to take. Uh, one of them was Brandon Ingram. Uh, Lonzo Ball was one of them too, and that's not we're not going to hit on that. But uh, Brandon Ingram as maybe the main prize in that Anthony Davis return uh, for New Orleans, who played exceptionally well actually for the Lakers to close out the season prior, um, which kind of upped his trade value a bit, became a matchup nightmare. And on that same end, Jason Tatum, mid-January when his beard starts to connect, and I've made that joke a hundred times and I will continue to do it, It was the same thing with him, where in five years, we're going to look back. Okay, so mid-January of what, his third year. That was when Jason Tatum became the guy offensively and defensively that we know him to be now. In February, goes and averages like 30 a game, was only the, I think, fifth Celtic to ever do that, and he's shattering these records. He continued to do it in the playoffs too, adding his name to lists that um, it's absolutely shocking to see from a 19-year-old, wink, wink. The other player in there was Bam Adebayo, and that's where the thing with Brandon Ingram comes in, where the most improved player race I thought was a wash. I thought it should have been Brandon Ingram unanimously um, until I started to realize that Bam was heading towards this trajectory where it's like, hold on, Miami's turning into such a good team, such a fierce, unique, resilient team, which held up to be actually completely true it was alarming how good he was getting as fast as he was getting not quite at like the level of Pascal Siakam how, how quickly he came along but bam his tenacity on the boards and his ability to uh to score was just through the roof and and almost unexpected I mean that Miami Heat team they're hitting all of the threes all of the time and this isn't new, but since we're covering the season, it was around you know January, probably February, I'd say, that we're really looking at this Miami team thinking, if Milwaukee has any trouble in the playoffs, it's going to be with the Heat. And it would be in the Bucks' best interest if somebody else took them out first. Unfortunately for Milwaukee, uh, that team had to have been the Pacers, and that was never going to happen. Milwaukee's another team that was really fun to watch. Um, they have a, a Christmas Day dud against the Philadelphia 76ers, who shot upwards of 110% from three for the game, I believe, um, hit a, a franchise uh, record number of threes in that game, which, go figure, of course, the, of all teams, why not the Sixers, right? Like, of, of that's not their strength at all, but sure. Giannis was uh, somehow better than he was last year in his MVP season and went on to an MVP deservedly. And went on to win Defensive Player of the Year, which is where there's maybe some of like somewhat of an argument to make for other players. But for all intents and purposes, it is on brand for me to say also deservedly for Giannis. He's starting to hit more three pointers. You think of the Lakers game in I think December, 
Um, I want to say it was December 18th. I, I, I'm not totally certain when it was. It may, may have been earlier than that. Giannis hits five threes, and they're in transition. There's a hand in his face. He's just pulling up on guys. Um, he's knocking them down. That's the game where there's a timeout. I believe it was by the Lakers in the third quarter. Giannis is going over to the bench, and he's crowning himself. And it felt like it was over. And ESPN still wouldn't credit them. And I don't remember exactly what Milwaukee's win streak was. Somewhere, it was around, what, like 18 games. Um, might have been more than that. So I apologize for not having that ready. Because admittedly, I forgot that that happened until just now. Even in the midst of this win streak, um, national outlets refused to acknowledge the Bucks for what they were at the time. And in retrospect, it makes complete sense why they didn't. Because as we got into the playoffs, we learned that, oh yeah, I forgot, Mike Budenholzer is a fraud and doesn't know how to coach in the playoffs. Um, so that was a, that was a little little bit frustrating. Derrick Rose had a great game winner um, on one of the NBA's best on-ball defenders, Drew Holiday, putting him on skates with a turnaround bucket uh, near the top of the key to bury the Pelicans. That was fun. I enjoyed that. I think most of us did. We learned that the uh, Luca and Porzingis experiment was pretty fun, as long as KP can actually stay healthy. And then Dwight Powell goes down, ruptures his Achilles. That seemed like a pretty critical blow. I didn't enjoy that very much, as someone who is speaks very highly of Dwight Powell. Um, LeBron decided that you know what I haven't done yet. You know what I haven't done? I'm gonna I'm gonna lead the league in assists this year because I, I can, just because I I know that I can, and he did. LeBron James led the league in assists for the first time in his 17-year career at age 35. Just even going back to Russell Westbrook for a minute uh, and the Rockets, around like somewhere between late December and mid-January, he eliminates three-pointers. He's just not taking them anymore. And it turned out, oh my gosh, he realized that that was actually quite the detriment to his overall efficiency and therefore his productivity um, and he almost turned into the best iteration of himself that we've ever seen. And I know people are like, well, he averaged a triple-double for a season, Nick. I know, but in terms of its conduciveness or conductiveness to winning, um, it just felt like, okay, he's figured it out. They trade away Clint Capella, and in game one, I think it was the Lakers that they beat, and everyone's like, oh my gosh, playing Robert Covington at the five, because it was the night that the trade happened. It was like, okay, well, the Rockets are just not going to beat anybody or P.J. Tucker at the five is what it was, rather. Um, they're not going to beat anybody. They go out and beat the Lakers, and now Rockets fans are like, oh, you guys were wrong. Look how right we were about this thing. And then the next night, I believe it was a back-to-back, they play Phoenix and lose by, like, 35. So that didn't really pan out. We learned that DeAndre Ayton uh, still doesn't want, just since we're on the Suns, still doesn't want to uh, have the ball in his hands for more than a second and a half. Two seconds is pushing it for DeAndre Ayton with the ball in his hands um, anywhere on the floor. He's It's either going up to the rim immediately or he's passing it off to somebody else. It's bizarre. It's really interesting to watch that happen. Damian Lillard continued being um, amazing. Absolutely exceptional. But they didn't have Nurkic, and I don't remember how many other injuries they had. Pretty much everybody. Um Portland wasn't really good. They did eventually sign Carmelo Anthony, who was kind of in and out. was like, eh, he's pretty good. I don't know if he's that good. Well, no, he's all right. He's not that good. Um, as a Carmelo stand, once again, it is on brand for me to say Carmelo was great in the playoffs. He was pretty good for them, ended up being a great signing. And if it were up to him, by his best approximation, as it has come out within the last few days, he has every intention of returning to Portland next year. I'm really excited to see that because he, well, he deserves it. 
And now I'm sure there are going to be some things that I'm missing. It's a little bit difficult when I'm doing this all by myself, and I just realize as soon as the game ends that I want to do a season recap. Um, taking out all of the notes would be a little bit difficult. I just wanted to get this out as fast as possible. I think I'm hitting on the important stuff here. Some of the nitty-gritty stuff, I don't. I mean, nobody's really going to care about. Um, Aaron Gordon got robbed in the dunk contest. That sucked. I didn't. I didn't care much for that. I actually, that actually just came to me, and I'm kind of mad about it again. I forgot how mad we were at the time when Dwayne Wade just, like, threw so that, you know... Actually, wasn't it Bam? Was it Bam? Hold on. I'm going to pause the recording so that I can look this up. Derek Jones Jr. That's right. That's who it was. See, he didn't even notice that I paused. That's how fast that was. Um, Derek Jones Jr. That's Because I, I knew it was a Heat player. I knew there was, like, a conspiracy with, with Dwayne Wade. Um, I forgot that that happened. So... And, I, and I, I'm still not ready to talk about this, so I'll just say that it happened because otherwise people are going to be mad. January 26, 2020, um, a tragedy occurs that most of us still haven't recovered from um, mentally, emotionally. Um, and I don't know how long it's going to be until we do, but we, we got through that. And some very powerful tributes were displayed um, in the following games for the next few days in the NBA. The season goes on hiatus, and we're just kind of left here like, oh, so there's not going to be a conclusion. So Chris Middleton's going to finish, what, 49.9, 50, and um, wait, what's it, was it 50, 40, 90? So 49.9, 40, and 90. He's going to finish a tenth of a percentage short of a 50, 40, 90. Um, so I'm just going to bump that up. Bucks, as far as I'm concerned, are the champions. Eventually, Walt Disney World is the location for this proposed NBA bubble. And I think a lot of us were just kind of like, okay, we'll we'll see. I don't really I mean, maybe if there's if there's any, you know, major uh North American sport that can figure it out, I guess I'm pretty confident that it would be the NBA. It might be the easiest out of all of the other sports and yes, the NHL is able to figure out as, it out as well. The MLB is kind of navigating that right now. They're doing a pretty decent job too. Um, I, as far as I know, there haven't been any cases since the playoffs have started and they're playing at alternate sites. Um, but Hey, I'm just going to speed ahead. The bubble was amazing. I, and there's nothing that I'm going to be able to say that a, I haven't already said and B people haven't already said in the last few weeks or that they're not saying right now, by the time you listen to this, that you haven't read a hundred times, all of the credit in the world to the national basketball association the uh, Players Association, and especially Adam Silver, um, for navigating this, for figuring this out, because it was truly a remarkable feat. Absolutely exceptional. You know, you had a few, uh, I mean, the, the degree of difficulty to pull this thing off. And sure, there were a few hiccups, like I think I mentioned this before, Lou Williams' um, food and beverage um, endeavor, and then Daniel, House, Daniel House's situation, they proved to be um, just kind of like, oh, yeah, those were things that happened. And at the time, it was like, wait, okay, so was the bubble punctured? Are we going to have an issue? No, we didn't. So let's get back to basketball. What are some of the notable things that happened? Um, the Pelicans had a pretty easy route into the playoffs. It was pretty easy. Um, and they blew it. Like 100%, they blew it. Memphis and Portland come down for the, uh, the play-in game. Portland wins the only game that they needed to win, and they're in the playoffs. Before I get to the playoffs, the Phoenix Suns 
as you all know, go 8-0 and in the bubble. The one team that everyone, like, I, there was obviously the famous Bleach Report that came out, or now Infamous, I should say. You know, is, like, a team's going to, they were coming out with, like, predictions, hot takes for the bubble. And it was like a team's going to go 0-8, and, and the team that they predicted to go 0-8 was the Phoenix Suns. Now, obviously, at the time, yeah, it's really easy now to be like, ha-ha, look how wrong you were about this thing. At the time, how many of us really thought that that was that far off? You know what I mean? Like, unless you were a Suns fan, you looked at that like, yeah, if there is a team that is to go 0-8, I'm looking at these 22 teams, it's probably going to be Phoenix. So I'm not mad that they wrote it, but it is, you know, you got to you, – you, you made your bed, you got to lay in it, right? So – that ended up being hilariously wrong. Devin Booker hit an absolutely absurd shot um, over Paul George, right, to to win that game. One of those one of those buzzer beaters that I audibly gasped was like, "No way that I just witnessed that." Devin Booker was exceptional um, in the bubble, as were the Phoenix Suns. So that's really fun for them. Obviously, moving forward, um, Kyle Kuzma even had a a shining moment against the Denver Nuggets, not in the playoffs, but in the regular season, quote unquote, in the bubble where he hit a game winner, had a lot of us rethinking those, uh, Derek Rose for Kyle Kuzma trade rumors for all of about 10 minutes. And then you're like, Oh yeah, no, I probably don't want to do that. We get into the playoffs and, and you look at Portland and you're like, I don't know, man, that's probably going to be the Lakers best matchup. And sure enough, they win game one. Portland actually did it. They won game one. And we're like, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. Okay. Hold on. So then you have this, if you're like me and you love LeBron, you have this like frustrating um, internal issue where it's like, I, listen, I root for chaos, and if Portland pulls this thing off or as we move on, um, you know, whatever team it is, like, or if it was Houston in the second round or even the Nuggets in the Western Conference Finals, that's a, such a fun story, but as somebody who wants LeBron's legacy to be as, as good as it can possibly be, that's not great for that. Um, so I was wrestling with that, but ultimately I knew that I wanted the, not the Lakers. I know it kind of goes hand in hand. I couldn't have cared less if it was the Lakers, no matter who LeBron was playing for, even if it was Orlando, hypothetically, who I hate, uh, I still would have been rooting for him. Um, the first round of the playoffs was just kind of, you know, if you had your team in there, you cared. Um, even as like somebody who roots pretty heavily and unapologetically for the Milwaukee Bucks, I gotta be honest with you. I didn't watch a single one of those five games that they played because they also lost game one uh, to the Magic. And if it was in Pfizer form, that doesn't happen. That's an easy sweep. But um, which is a thing that I've talked about before, I think was a huge detriment to Milwaukee's ability to actually catch a rhythm in the playoffs. And you could this isn't exclusive to the Bucks. Like you could say this about a handful of teams. Like also, I don't think Portland wins game one against the Lakers if it's in Staples Center, right? Like we can do this all day. I'm just saying one of the reasons for Milwaukee, even though it's not exclusive to them, if, if they were playing in Pfizer, you know, they don't lose in five to the heat. I think they still lose to be honest with you. I do, but I don't think it's in five. I don't think it is as embarrassing um, as it ended up being. Um, but I think if you, so the point that I was trying to make was I looked at all those first round series. And I think the only one that was legitimately compelling, the one that you just almost couldn't look away from was Dallas, um, against Los Angeles Clippers. Now we all know what happened in that game four. Luca goes for what 43, 17, and 13, and obviously hits that ridiculous step back buzzer beater um, in overtime over Reggie Jackson to tie the series up at two. Luca, I what, played 46, 47, 46 minutes, I think is what it was 
in that game. A game, by the way, where Mavericks were down by upwards of 20 points in the second quarter. And Los Angeles subs in Reggie Jackson, and they put him on Luka, and it's all downhill from there. And then it's the second half, and especially in the, down the stretch in the fourth quarter. They're just trading buckets. It's playoff basketball. It was remarkable. Truly some of the most exceptional basketball I've ever seen. And the game ends in regular, well, it doesn't end. Regulation ends with Kawhi Leonard taking a bad shot. We're left sitting there like, whoa, 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 he doesn't do that. What just happened? It's funny, I actually have like a 15-minute episode recorded um, on that game, like after it happened, and I never released it. I actually, Mike, I don't remember why I didn't release it, but I didn't. Uh, maybe I'll do that as like a bonus episode. As like, a, I'll keep it in the vault for a little while. I think that would be fun, actually. I'll unvault it. Uh, at, at some point, if you guys would be interested in that. I'll have to go back and listen. That would be kind of fun. Uh, Clippers obviously go on to win the series. Kristaps uh, was out. He, he It was a game one. He gets tossed on just a BS, uh, like, double technical. He, it wasn't a double technical, but he got called for a technical, and later in the game, it was just another crap one because uh, he, like, yelled at the ref or did something stupid. Then he has a knee injury. He's out. Luca's ankle's all messed up. Markeith Mor- or, sorry, Marcus Morris is stepping on his ankle. It was a bunch of nonsense. Uh, he told Luca to go cry him a river, uh, clips and six, and then they get bounced by the Nuggets in the second round. Um, after blowing a three-one lead and having like double-digit leads in every single one of those games, and that was another storyline: was the Nuggets coming back from three-one against Utah, the Nuggets coming back from three-one against the Clippers. Unfortunately, uh, listen. I think the, La- the the Lakers are just as, if not more, arrogant than the Clippers this year. I think they were. The difference was, I think, uh, there's not not as much complacency, if any, with the Lakers the way that there was with the Clippers, where they would get those leads that feel almost insurmountable, especially if you're in the playoffs. You'd think, like, okay, this team, you know, you're the almost prohibitive favorite to win a championship one week, and the next week you're the laughing stock. Um, and I'm not going to make jokes about Paul George because I think they're tired. And if it really did come down to a mental health thing, I don't think that's funny. And I don't think it's worth joking about. And the same also goes for Danny Green. Um, so we finally get the apex that we were not expecting in the West with uh, the Lakers. And I, I and I also didn't touch on the Jamal Murray going thermonuclear against the Jazz, which also Donovan Mitchell did. Um, and then also against the Clippers. Because I am I try not to make these episodes too long. I knew this one was going to run a little bit longer, but we still got a ways to go here. So you guys know that that happened. But Jamal Murray was an, an amazing. Uh, Jokic was amazing. In the absence of Will Barton, like Jeremy Grant really stepped up. Morris was great. Harris was great. Um, this was really, and I haven't really talked about the East because the East kind of sucked. Like Toronto, OG Ananobi had an amazing shot to win the game against Boston in game three of the second round um, of the playoffs. And then Toronto moves on uh, to play. I'm sorry. No, they didn't move on. They lost that series. Toronto loses to Boston, and a lot of it was because they just needed Pascal Siakam to play a single good game for 48 minutes. They just needed some pretty fundamentally sound basketball out of him, and they couldn't get it. Try as they like, they just weren't able to get it, and it was kind of sad. Raptors went out sad. A team that otherwise, who I also didn't talk about, Pascal Siakam got even better this year. I believe they had uh, historically the best month of January that they keep everything just ties back to January. They had the best month of January record wise. And I think point differential wise um, ever for, for, for that franchise, Nick nurse, I believe one coach of the month. Kyle Lowry was amazing. Went to the all-star game was drawing charges and people were mad about it. But now it's like, okay, now you don't want defense played in the all-star game. Uh, it was a whole thing. 
Kyle Lowry, the ultimate competitor, was great. Um, so that kind of sucked to see the Raptors go out as sad as they did. Because it was like, I don't know, they were like a Kawhi Leonard away, hypothetically, from from really competing. Eastern Conference Finals, I mean, Miami was just so resilient this year. There's nothing you can say about them, again, that hasn't already been said. And I'm not really looking to beat a dead horse, which I will do with LeBron here momentarily. Uh, don't you worry. You want to talk about apexes that we weren't expecting. Like I said with the Lakers and the and the Nuggets. I don't know. I, I, I feel like deep down we all kind of knew, if not before the playoffs or, you know, in the first round against Indiana, especially halfway through the Milwaukee series, we're like sitting back. Like, oh, my God. Miami's, they might go to the finals. They might go to the finals. Now, let me also say this. I, I, I do genuinely think uh, if we ended up with like a Denver-Miami finals matchup, something went wrong. Something in the bubble went horrifically wrong. Or, like, hypothetically, Dallas, if they were able to beat the Clippers. You know what I mean? Like, Portland. If anybody but, like, the Lakers or the Clippers or... I don't know. And I know that sounds super dumb. And you're like... I, I don't know how to articulate this the right way. But um, it just would have felt like, okay, something... Obviously, the circumstances are in, in a way that... But, but then on the flip side of that, it's like, well, no. These teams who in on the, any other year wouldn't have had the window that they did... Because playing in Staples Center or playing in Pfizer Forum or playing in the the Garden in Boston, like, it's really difficult to win. But because they're on this alternative site or in this alternative site, they just, you know, took advantage of the moment and seized the opportunity, and you can't really fault them for that. So I guess it's not that something would have went gone horrifically wrong. I think you get what I'm saying here. I don't need to keep going. Lakers and Miami. Uh, first two games, it wasn't, <laughs> wasn't very fun at all. Game one, Dragic is out in 15 minutes, and I'm not going to try to pronounce the injury because he tore something in his foot. And they keep talking about like, oh, he's going to come back. He might come back. Listen, I just, I said this in like an episode or two ago. I don't believe that you can tear something in your body anywhere and be able to be physically ready to come back within a seven days to play basketball. At a professional level, I just didn't believe it. Bam Adebayo also goes out with like a. It was mainly a neck injury, but it was also some shoulder stuff. There was, but it was mainly his neck. So Jimmy Butler is just kind of out there with like Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero and Jay Crowder and Kelly Olynyk, who, who did play a really solid. I think it was Game Three. He put up twenty four points. Uh, game Four puts up I think seventeen on the dot. Um, it, listen, man, it was really and and I don't want to say things that I because I've recapped I've, the, my last two episodes were about the finals so you can really go back if you want to hear about what I said about Jimmy in game three you can check that episode out um, especially Jimmy and LeBron in game five just two days ago on Friday um, you know you can go back and listen to those I don't want to keep hitting on that but you know two of the I mean two of the best performances that we've ever seen from competitors opponents in an NBA finals game ever in that game five with Jimmy and LeBron um, to the point of just pure inocular uh, exhaustion. Like, you can just see it, how beat they are. Eventually, that did catch up to Miami tonight in Game 6. It was evident from the jump that something was wrong. And, I, and, and Duncan Robinson, man, I give him some credit because I think 
while I'm pretty sure of what the 10 points that he had tonight, I'm, 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 I'm pretty sure that most of those came in the first half where it was kind of like, okay, so he's kind of, he's going to play well tonight. I think he hit two threes in the first quarter where it was like, okay, Jimmy's going to have something tonight, but Jimmy himself, it just wasn't there. And I'm not mad at him. You can't be mad at him because of what he was doing um, in the previous five. Like the guy, he emptied the tank. He really did. And the difference between Jimmy Butler and LeBron James is LeBron James has played uh, over three seasons in the playoffs alone. And in the finals, probably a season. Got to be close to it. I don't know. Maybe not even. Maybe about a third of the way to a full season. LeBron's had to have played at least 50 NBA Finals games, right? More than that for sure. But I feel comfortable saying 50. I just don't know exactly how many. He did play in his 260th NBA Playoffs game tonight, which did give him... Uh, the most all-time passing, I believe, Derek Fisher. Um, but Jimmy tonight finished with uh, 12, 8, and 7 on 50% from the field um, and only one or two from the line. So it was almost un- just an uncharacteristic finals Jimmy Butler game that we've seen so far. Uncharacteristic Jimmy Butler's final game. That feels so weird to say. And Bam, you wouldn't know it by looking at his line. He had 20, uh, 25 and 10 tonight. Also put up five assists. Uh, it was 10 of 15. You're probably like, oh, Bam played well. It was weird, though. Like, it was he was not finishing lobs. Like, he would purposely catch it, go back down, and then go back up to the rim. Um, offensively, Anthony Davis was playing uh, center field for the, uh, for the Lakers. So he's playing so deep into the post, he's eliminating backdoor cuts and any drives that, that Miami wants to take. So it kind of took Bam out of the equation. Um. And that also kind of killed Tyler Hero, too, because their perimeter defense was so solid. Uh, and he couldn't run the baseline, do those up-and-under uh, finishes at the rim that he likes to do so much, which is admittedly super pretty. He did have one uh, in the first quarter. Maybe it was early in the second, but I think it was about halfway through the first, maybe late in the first. Uh, and he didn't convert, but it still looked quite good. Tyler Hero tonight really played like he's only 20 years old. You never got that. Uh, 38 point Tyler Hero or anything even close to it. Um, even when he, you know, snarled at the end, made that face for getting the end one and 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 finishing it in game. I don't even how long ago is that? Time doesn't time is just a flat circle at this point, and I don't I have no concept of it. Whatever game he did that I, again, I'm totally drawing a blank. He was still six of 16 on the night. I don't care that he hit that shot. It was an it, I would do the same thing in his position. No doubt about it, but I don't want to sit here and pretend that he played a good game because he didn't. He hit a good shot. That is different. Crazy stuff, man. LeBron James obviously won the finals MVP average. like 29 and a half in the finals on 60% shooting. Otherworldly stuff. And I know that I think we're all at a point because he did unanimously win uh, 11 votes to zero. Um, Anthony Davis was naturally the only other person that would have even been in this conversation who had a monster games one and two. It was game two that he put up like 37 on 15 to 20 started the game. I think 12 to 13. Um, but what ended up weighing him down, Anthony Davis was in game three. He picks up three fouls in the second half and it's just, he's not allowed to get going. He can't be as uh, aggressive or tenacious defensively um, in the second half. And then in game, so it just killed his stats. Game, uh, what was it? Game five, that's what. It was just on Friday. Uh, he had the uh, the injury resurface in his heel, the contusion, I think it was. So even though he played 42 minutes, it hindered his effectiveness 
where LeBron was just consistent, consistent. Games one and two almost has a triple-double. I think he recorded two, two triple-doubles in the finals this year. Maybe it was three, but I know two for sure. Um, did have one in the closeout game in six uh, tonight. So it just wasn't a question, right? Like if, if Anthony Davis didn't get into foul trouble in game two, uh, three, didn't get re-injured in game five, um, he was on a trajectory heading towards this apex where it was like, we're going to have a difficult conversation here because even through two, um, it still kind of felt like it was going to be LeBron, but a lot of people were like, it's Anthony Davis and it's not close. And, and for a lot of reasons, they, they honestly weren't wrong. The craziest thing tonight about game uh, six was Miami scored 36 points in the first half in an NBA Finals game, which sounds insane, but Miami looked terrible. And if you were watching the game, it's not a surprise. But in like five years, we're going to be like, oh my God, Miami only scored 36 points and a half? We've been talking about the Miami Heat of this year being a one-to-one mirror of the 4 Pistons. Uh, did we have it wrong? Should it have been the Lakers this whole time? I'm kidding. But it was insane how bad they were. Truly, it was it was insane. It was incredible. Um, the Lakers' defense, the ball pressure was immaculate. The Lakers scored 70 before Miami scored 40. There's a point where it was, what, 71 to 39. And I remember I'm looking down. I'm just kind of watching this game because it's over, right? I'm looking down, and I'm like, okay, um, two minutes left. All right, cool. Wait, whoa, whoa, hold on. It's still the third quarter? Like, oh, my, this game won't end. Lakers go up by almost 40 points. I think it got out to, like, 36. So the final score tonight uh, is not indicative whatsoever of how one-sided this game truly was. 13-point win for the Lakers, 106-93. This was over uh, from the jump. Miami only scored 16 points in that second quarter. Near the end when they, you know, send in the... And the thing, I guess, that pissed me off is it's like... I know Bam's playing statistically well, but he's just not moving the same. Something feels weird. Um, throw Kelly Olynyk back in there, maybe, suppose. I don't know. Pat Riley's got a phone down. Like, we need something. We need a spark. And I love that Goran Dragic came back. I think the heart that he has... I've really grown to appreciate him in the in the bubble. I, I, I hand to God, I did not understand how good he was. Because I knew he could score. 100% I knew he could. I, I did not know. Sorry, I just bumped my mic. Hopefully that didn't pick up. I did not know how good he was. So seeing him come back did make me smile. But uh, not that he was like a complete zero. He wasn't moving as poorly as I thought he would. But Kendrick Nunn wasn't playing particularly bad up to that point either. And I just feel like um, you already, I don't know, he played really well in game five. You played, what, seven guys total in uh, game five also. Just keep rolling the dice with Kendrick Nunn. I don't know. Felt a little bit weird to me i know he only had eight points and didn't shoot the ball particularly well i think he shot down like 40 percent. so like man eh, whatever but ultimately lebron james anthony davis and frank vogel in year one as the coach with the los angeles lakers they get it done and i i haven't really talked to as much about lebron as i thought i was going to maybe that's just gonna be a separate episode at this point so i probably shouldn't have told all those people not to listen <laughs> What I like to do whenever there's a new team that wins an NBA championship 
you know, someone that's not the Warriors or maybe sometimes a LeBron team. I look at their roster. Like, Toronto last year was a great example. I, I say a player's name followed by NBA champion. Last year it was Kyle Lowry, NBA champion. Kyle Lowry has a ring now. Forever. We're going to say Kyle Lowry. Yeah, he won it. He won a ring with Toronto in 2019 against the Warriors. I do that with people. Marcus Gasol, good for him. He's got a ring. You don't usually do it like Kawhi's got two now. Okay, good for him. That's cool. Sometimes it's fun to do it like, wow, Kawhi, two-time NBA champion, right? So I'm looking at this Lakers team, and and I think that was what was most fun for me, you know, when they're doing, when they're presenting the trophies, doing the speeches and all that. Anthony Davis, obviously, NBA champion. Not as much fun because it's more, it's more, I guess, fun for the obscure players. And I know Kyle Lowry's not an obscure player, but he's still one of those elite guys that we never thought was actually going to get one. Like, you could do it with Carmelo, right? If Carmelo ever wins a ring, if Carmelo Anthony, finally an NBA champion. And I think a great example, Dwight Howard, who was already a first ballot Hall of Famer, NBA champion. Dwight Howard's got a ring. Yeah, he's got one. Good for him. J.R. Smith, two NBA championships. Rajon Rondo, two NBA championships. But then you look at guys like Contavious Caldwell-Pope. Kid can play. 17 points tonight, only two of seven from three, but was otherwise pretty great. Alex Caruso? <laughs> yeah, he's got a ring. He's got, and he was, And that was the biggest adjustment tonight for the Lakers is they went smaller and they put uh, Caruso in the lineup instead of Dwight Howard um, and just bumped AD to the five. And it worked. It was incredible. Obviously, it helped that Miami was super beat down. Um, Jared Dudley, the human victory cigar for the Lakers this year, he's got a ring. Markeith Morris, man, he's got one. Avery Bradley's going to get one, too. Even though he didn't play in the bubble, he didn't participate, he's got one, man. Three former Pistons are now NBA champions. And the one that now everybody is waiting for, yes. Some of you hate it. Some of you love it. Some of you are indifferent, lukewarm towards the situation and couldn't care less. But yes, Kyle Kuzma is an NBA champion. And Frank Vogel is a championship-level coach now. Can you believe it? And I know he led to the Pacers to, I think, two consecutive Eastern Conference Finals uh, against the Heat in the mid-2010s. Almost said 2000, mid 2010s, uh, with those teams: Paul George, uh, Roy Hibbert, Lance Stevenson. Right, that was when he blew in LeBron's ear. Was when in, he was in Miami. I mean, Lance Stevenson was still on those teams. I think even David West was still on those teams. Right, he hadn't left yet. Pretty sure David West was still there. I'd have to really look. I'm sure I'd find some really fun. Was Danny Granger there? I don't know how long ago this was. Again, my concept of time for this year is insane. So therefore, it's ruined it for. I think Danny. No, Danny Granger wasn't there. I'm gonna have to look this up. I have no idea. David West was definitely there, though. I think that's it, folks. Longest individual episode ever of Shoot the J. So, like, not with the guest. This was fun. I enjoyed this. Hope you guys did, too. The LeBron stuff is definitely going to be a separate episode because I just got too caught up talking about other things. If you made it this far, genuinely, folks, thank you very, very much from the bottom of my heart. NBA season's done. We did it. We made it. Longest NBA season ever. And we are done. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, be sure to rate five stars and subscribe. I would appreciate it very much. Thank you very much, you guys. I will catch you in the next one.